Sports Beat Extra. Beats 102-103. I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford. There was more issues than the travel. I said I just can't do it. As games go on and you don't get a goal, and you start to have little questions in the back of your mind. To... Welcome back to the latest edition this Saturday, August 15th. Another packed show for you this week where our guests are heading down under, scoring under par and racing downhill. I'm Kevin Galvin and this is Sportsbeat Extra. This week we chat cycling ahead of tomorrow's Youth Road Championships in Waterford. We've had to return the entries for nine riders, including one of our national champion, one of the hot favourites. We catch up with Chamor golfer Robin Dawson over a year on from his Irish Open exploits. That week proved a lot that I couldn't do it, even just for myself. But first I spoke to Ashley McCarty back home in Tip after a very successful stint with the Western Bulldogs, but only for the moment with the move to the West Coast Eagles in Perth on the horizon. However, before then, Championship football with their native Tip beckons in what's a crazy schedule. This is Sports Beat Extra. So, uh, woman of the moment, really, I suppose, at the moment. Uh, we're delighted to be joined uh, by Ashley McCarthy. Ashley, you're, you're no stranger to beat uh, because I, I think you've been on with us before uh, ahead of your uh, your first move down under, which is with the Western Bulldogs. Um, now you're set for another one, another team with West in the title, but on a completely different part of the country, um, not west of Melbourne this time, west of the entire nation in, in Perth. Um, I suppose, look, it's been a really busy time for you. So, first of all, how are you? Good, thanks. Thanks a million for having me. Um, I'm delighted with the news that came out last week and um, I suppose I'm looking forward to heading over to Western Australia, completely different parts of the world again. So it's a little bit daunting, but it's exciting as well that I get to explore, I suppose, and see a, a bit of the world um, as well as keeping up sport too. So, um, yeah, I'm delighted at the moment anyway. I suppose there'll be no lack of Irish following for you there as well. I mean, Perth is really kind of a hotbed of of uh, of Irish activity. So uh, hopefully you'll be you'll be hoping there might be a few expats might be able to come out and support you when you get down there um, next year. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually know a, few, uh, a couple of local people from here as well out there. Um, Frida Casey being one that I played club football with when I was younger. So it'd be really nice to have I suppose a touch of home um, out there. And you know, there's only two teams in Perth as well. So. I think um, the rivalry um, out west as well is um, really big compared to, I suppose, there's a lot of uh, mix of teams in Melbourne, so the rivalries wouldn't be as healthy, I guess. So I'm really looking forward to, um, as well, like playing against Fremantle. I think it'll be a great occasion as well. Um, the locals are be there. I suppose, actually, just generally... It's, I suppose, the AFL Women's is, is, you know, it's, it's a relatively new project in terms of how it's been kind of marketed. It's really kind of been made a, a huge deal over there. Uh, well, you know, not before time, um, but um, you know, I suppose it's how many of the 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 girls that you play with in Ireland or you played with in Ireland, um, you know, how much of an opportunity is it for you guys? Because I suppose we've seen the men going over there so much, um, over the over the past. 10, 15 years, uh, Ty Canelli obviously the first and then, uh, you know, a whole swathe of guys still over there now. Um, but for the women, it, it kind of really does present an opportunity um, to, to take, you know, what's, what's really uh, pretty much football that you're playing here at an, an elite level and then actually get the opportunity to go over and, and live the life of a, of a full-time professional athlete. Yeah, um, definitely it's an opportunity, I suppose. It probably depends on each person's um, personal circumstances you know, it does come with a lot of challenges and obviously you put your life on hold for six months as well because it's still not um, full-time out there. 
So, you know, you're only out there for half the year and, you know, you have to come home and try to find a job at home in Ireland and things like that. So, look, there is challenges, but it is great to be able to go out and, you know, county players play at such a high level, but, you know, there's that your job and stuff as well that probably interferes with maybe recovery or preparing for training optimally, whereas when you get to go out to Australia, you have all the time, a time in your hands to you know, eat well and prepare for training and that's all that's on your mind and you've time to go down and you know, recover at the beach and stuff. Just little things that you probably don't have um, the opportunity to do when you're working full-time in Ireland. But, you know, it, it is a great opportunity, but at the same time it does come with different challenges and, you know, you don't make a whole pile of money. I suppose the men's game is completely professional and the boys might move out for two or three years and on bigger paychecks. So, mm. like, there is pros and cons, but at the moment, you know, a lot of the county ladies footballers can do both, um, and they can go out for six months in Australia and experience that professional lifestyle, but then I come back to a bit of reality and play the sport that they love as well in Gaelic football. So, at the moment, um, I suppose it's the best of both worlds, but as time goes by, and as you say, the, season, um, the AFL is getting bigger and bigger, there might be... Um, a time that you'll have to choose between one or the other but at the moment um, you can kind of do both so it's it's nice in that way You're speaking about putting life on hold and, and obviously you're, you're a physiotherapist by trade um, you I suppose as much as the, the pandemic has is, is, is provided difficulties I suppose it's also provided opportunities in ways and you were saying kind of the minute you got back almost you know while you were still even quarantining when you kind of you're finally touched back in Ireland you you, you straight away signed up for, for, for this HSE initiative to try and get people who are who are in the health sector who have the various skills to kind of get into the HSE and and to try and to try and use their skills to the benefit of the of the whole health sector. I suppose tell us a little bit about wh- why you wanted to kind of get involved in that and kind of how that came about and also how how has it gone for you since since you got the the call? Um, yeah, well, I guess um, as I said, you put your life on hold. I suppose I'm talking about you know the other aspects of your life, like my career as a physio, and I've kind of had to put that in the back burner the past um, two since that I've been out in Australia so when I came home I was kind of eager to get back into um, that side of things um, so there was the HSE on call for Ireland initiative that started um, at the start of the pandemic and it was just calling I suppose healthcare workers who were available to work um, to put their hand up and, and you know say that they were available so I put my name on that and it wasn't until May um, that I got an opportunity so I started a role as a physio in the Midlands Regional Hospital in Port Leash. And um, to be honest, like the the role is um, as a physio would be if there was a pandemic or there wasn't. Um, I've been lucky enough in that sense, and I'm just working away on the ward in Port Leash. And um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I suppose it was really nice to get a bit of a routine as well after being lo- in lockdown for a good few weeks. So um, you know, over the past couple of months I've realised how important my physio career um, is to me um, and I'm really enjoying it so I think that was a part of the reason as well that I opted to move to the West Coast Eagles that they're going to enable me to keep um, upskilling I suppose and keep my physio career um, going while I'm also playing football on the other side of the world as well. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that, and I suppose because you did it, you did a very interesting interview with Emma Duffy from the Forty Two not so long ago, um, and you were explaining this whole process. Was this something that you brought to the negotiating table in terms of saying this is something that I want, or was it something that the Eagles offered you? Um, well, I suppose over the few weeks that I was talking to West Coast um, while they were going through the recruitment process, 
they really got to know me as a person and what was important to me outside of football. And I think that's really important that you get to see someone and their whole picture. So I think they realised from our conversation that my future career was important to me. And I, I think then it's something that they realised over the past um, two seasons that I've had to kind of put to the side. So they probably thought it was a, a very important aspect that they could help me with. Um, so unfortunately, you can't work um, as well. Well, fortunately and unfortunately, but and you can't work on the visas that we're on um, out in Australia. So um, that's why I didn't work as a physio for the past two seasons. But they've a clinic attached to the club in West Coast. So they've um, allowed me even just to shadow um, for a few hours a week and kind of work alongside uh, some of the best physios that are out there and just learn from them. And if I have any questions that they'll enable me um, to go to the top videos out there and um, get my questions answered and, and things like that. So um, I'm really looking forward to just keeping up my physio as well as playing sports and um, learning new things from different people as well and maybe different things that they might do um, there as well compared to back home. So um, I just found that that was a, an important part of the decision-making process when I did opt to move to West Coast. Um, you're you're now, I suppose. Look, all all focus now for yourself on the sporting wise. At least is is with with club and county. Um, I was speaking to uh, Shane Ronane, your 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 manager, pre all of this. Um, just when your league season was was starting. Um, you were, you were kind of hanging on in, in Division One and picking up a, f- a few decent results. Um, back in the senior championship now again this year. Um, it's going to be a very very difficult task for you guys. But I suppose from your own perspective, what do you think? Um, you know your couple of, your couple of years in in Australia has has taught you in terms of of playing over here. And what do you think the GA generally could learn from from the AFL in terms of how they set themselves up? Yeah, I suppose. Look, um, we've got no bigger challenge um, than Galway. You know, they're the All Ireland um, finalists last year and runners up against Dublin. So that'll be um, no easy task, but. You know, it's better off that we do challenge ourselves, I think, against the top teams. And I, I know I haven't played the Division One League the past two seasons I've been away in Australia, but the girls have shown that they're well able to, um, as you say, come away with some good results against some of the top teams. So I think it's just important that we probably establish ourselves up in senior a little bit. And this year there's no relegation as well, which kind of takes the pressure off because I suppose two years ago... Um, our results didn't go our way and we ended up in a relegation battle whereas at least this year we can just throw I suppose the kitchen sink at, at it and um, you know do our best and uh, if it doesn't work out at least we've kind of that experience of being up senior and we'll have experience with the younger girls again in Division 1 this year and then hopefully then again next year be up senior again so um Look, there's no pressure on us at all. I think we'll just go out um, and throw everything at both Galway and Monaghan. Um, so I'm, we're really looking forward to it and, you know, hopefully everything um, goes to plan. And I suppose what the LGFA could learn from the AFLW, um, you know, I think the LGFA are doing quite a good job, even with the media coverage and everything at the moment. And Little and the 20 by 20 campaign and TG Tatter really... Um, promoted the game and you know uh, girls get a lot of coverage at the moment but um, I suppose one thing that I learned in Australia was that the AFLW season was completely separate to the AFL season um, so you never had to really compete with the men's um, game for any like media coverage and or TV rights or anything but obviously you know we both play during the summer here in Ireland so it is a bit more difficult and 
the GA calendar is cramped enough. So I don't really know how you sort that out to, for it to be two completely different seasons. I don't think that's possible. But um, I know even with Orla being on our Orla O'Dwyer being on our football panel and played with the Kamuvi, um last year as well, she had a couple of clashes, and I think if the Kamogi and the LGFA could just try to sort out maybe central fixtures clashes, it would definitely help. And um, then as well, if they could avoid putting, I suppose, Tipperary ladies footballer Kamogi on the same day as men's footballer hurling, it might help as well with the general Tipperary supporter being able to go to, um, you know, girls or boys matches um, and that they wouldn't be on the same day. But I think, to be honest, um, the association, the LGFA, are doing a great job and even in the last few years, the, the coverage and everything that they're doing for the game it has really improved and it's uh, continuing to strive to be the best, I think. Tracking sport across the southeast. Sports Extra. So we're glad to be joined on the line by Martin O'Loughlin, uh, event director for the uh, Youth Road National Championships this year, um, a manager of the junior section in general. And, and Martin, as you're saying, a man with plenty of experience behind you, must have come a major help this year, um, I suppose, organising this event, particularly given kind of everything that's going on at the moment. Yes, COVID has really thrown a spanner in the works and for a number of months we were all in lockdown and sticking to 2K and 5K zones uh, and then within our counties. But now uh, racing has restarted. It's a different type of racing. It's very, very much regimented as to what we have to do. But it's we're delighted that we get to run one national championships now for youths this year. Normally we'd run three uh, we'd have criterium racing, which is around the house, and we'd have time trials. But this year, we'd be sticking to the road races. So it's all roads lead to Carroll's Cross on Sunday for the national championships. And I suppose, look, it's it's, it's Southeast's absolute hotbed of um, of activity. This this event, obviously, is done in conjunction with the Carrick Wheelers, even though it is taking place, as you say, um, at Carroll's Cross, just outside uh, Waterford City itself, on kind of near enough the, the main road towards uh, Dungarvan. So um, I suppose, look, a great chance uh, for kind of, you know, we, we've had the Zwift Leagues and, and that, that's gone very successfully. Even Kieran Jackson here locally was, was quite high up the leaderboard in that one. Um, but it, it does nothing really beats real racing. Absolutely, yes. And uh, we're getting great uh, cooperation from the local clubs as well in Waterford, you know, the Commerce Cycling Club, Waterford Racing Club, and Garvin Cycling Club, as well as Pantier Carrick Wheelers. Uh, so it's uh, it's just fantastic that it's a real big joint effort. The circuit that we're using is normally used by Commerce Cycling Club for uh, league races. So they've been running races successfully for 10 to 15 years on there. Uh, one of the prime things is looking for a circuit this year is to avoid population centres. So we would do a lot of our racing around Carrigan-Shore and Clan A and Rathgarmac and places like that. But just just too many houses and people there. So we just want to avoid people as much as possible and do the social distancing, which is so important. So it's a fantastic racing circuit. So we reckon we could have a right day's racing. Yeah, and I suppose that's the thing, you know, and, and but hopefully the, the, the skies are, are clear tomorrow um for, for the event. Um it's boys and girls from up to under eleven up to under sixteen. But you, you were saying to me, Martin, I suppose with the recent uh, reintroduction of restrictions into into uh, Offley Leash and, and Kildare, it does affect the event. It does. Unfortunately we've had to return the entries for nine riders, uh including 
uh, one of our national champion, one of the hot favourites. Uh, Quillen Donnelly is one rider, unfortunately, that won't be on the start line. Annie Roach, uh, niece of Stephen Roach, is also another one who's caught there. She's also from Kildare. So it's 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 really very disappointing that it's a 29-county championship, you know, but the Board of Cycling Ireland met on this and they just decided, look, they have one, we have one chance at this now and hopefully everything will go well tomorrow. And I suppose that's the thing, there's kind of, you know, I suppose on every association, in every sport, you know, there's so much pressure to kind of get things right because it's taken so long to get us to the point where we can kind of go back to, Kind of tentatively organising sport of sporting events that really you can't be can't afford to be taking any risks. Absolutely, but cycling can work quite well. You know, we, we're going back to the old days where in fields or car parks and fields, we're using portaloos that are well distanced. We're not using buildings. We're using gazebos and tents, and uh, we're just trying to keep that we're not in any enclosed spaces. Um, our podium ceremony is quite different this mm. year in that you know, unfortunately the youngsters they'll have to hand sanitise first they'll have to collect their own medal off the table and they'll have to put on a face mask before they stand up on the podium for the group photograph and there won't be any dignitaries in the photograph either you know so it's, it's just look there are rules that we have to follow but we can have really really good days racing and you know it doesn't make it any bit less enjoyable I think we will have you know, uh, we have nine races going ahead uh, and within the three girls' races, there are actually six championships. So we'll we'll have 12 uh, All-Ireland champions uh, there tomorrow. So hopefully the best people will win. And what's it like to, uh, as a course to cycle? As you say, um, you know, Clark's using it very, very, very regularly. So, um, like, it's a, there's a 70 meter elevation difference, which is actually quite surprising. I think when you're, when you're kind of driving those roads yourself, you don't realize the kind of elevation difference in them. And uh, I suppose what 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 will it be like? What what will be the biggest challenges do you expect for the riders on the day? Well, there's 141 meters of climbing per lap. Uh, once you pull in there behind Carl's Cross Pub, you're actually riding the road of riding straight away. So our race referees this year are on motorbikes, which is you know, another change, sometimes you'd have a motor, motorbikes and cars, but this year all of our race referees are on motorbikes. So once the riders get started and everybody's got their feet clip in, uh, clipped in and everybody's happy that the race can start safely, their race will begin literally within 200 metres of Carl's Cross. And you'll see that some riders will become under pressure straight away, you know, going up that hill. Mm. It's a grippy circuit, a good, you know, good roads, good surface, not potholes. Uh, it's it's a it's a great road, but it is it is wary, and especially the under sixteen race now, uh, they're doing going around that circuit four times, you know. So it's fifty k on that circuit, you know. Especially if we get nice warm weather, it'll be. Uh, something that there'll be some tired bodies at the end of the day yeah fair amount of sweat I suppose but generally Martin you know we're talking about Swift and I suppose as somebody's been with the organisation quite a while um, it seems like um, Cycling Ireland have, have done reasonably well in terms of adapting keeping themselves relevant through the whole thing and just making sure that there's still activity for competitors whether it be online or, or in person and, and, and you know as you say the the the, um, the adult championships have been announced as well they'll, they'll be taking place in Limerick so um, there seems to be the despite even the pandemic and everything, it seems like Cycling Ireland have, have worked really hard to try and keep competitions going and, and give competitors something to look forward to. Yes, look, we were very lucky that 
uh, it didn't kick in earlier at the pandemic. Uh, we got about two thirds of our licenses sold that we normally would, and we still retained our core grant from Sport Ireland. Uh, so as a result, we didn't lay off any staff, which was very important. So we had the, the people in place. You know, most other sporting bodies have left left their staff go. Now, while there were pay cuts in our organisation, everybody was kept on. And, you know, it's in ways, it was actually quite good, you know, for those of us in the high-performance unit. We got a chance to review our processes, do our paperwork, the things we were all so busy for years and years when we were jetting around the world and lugging bikes and vans across Europe and everywhere. You know, so uh, we got some great ideas, people took on new initiatives, simple things like just video programs, how to teach your ride your your child to ride a bike, etc. So there's a lot going on within Cycling Ireland and uh, you know it's it's still a great healthy sport to be out in the open air. Absolutely and I suppose finally Martin um look uh, we're talking about the elite side of things uh, here naturally enough but in fairness, it seems like there is, uh, you know, there seems to be a massive uptake. I mean, even trying to get a bike uh, during the pandemic was difficult enough. Um, so, you know, you're hoping that I suppose in years to come, the kind of the one of the positive potential effects of this pandemic is for people to kind of, you know, see more people involved in cycling, and therefore, you know, kind of almost by default, you'll see a certain amount of those kind of joining clubs, and it'll kind of boost the sport again. Absolutely, and look, we have a rich vein of talent. You know, following in the wheels of Kieran Power and Sean Kelly and uh, Sam Bennett. You know, tomorrow we have Hugh Mulhern, who's the local rider. He's defending his national championship. Uh, Hugh from Kilmac, and he's defending his, uh, his under 12 title. He's under 13 this year. We have Tom Kinsella, who's a former Irish champion as well for Carrick Wheelers. Patrick O'Loughlin is my own son, but he's collected medals. Over the years, he's in the under 16 now. His last year as a youth, uh, he's never pulled off the, go- the gold medal, but he has got a very good sprint. So, you know, he has a good chance of that. David Gaffney from Dungarvan is a triple national champion. Uh, he's, you know, would be the favourite going out there in the under 13 uh, under 13 race. And uh, we have the, the Smith sisters from Water Racing Club, Mia Smith and Stella Smith. You know, who are both. You know, look very strong for medals. And in Commerce Icon Club, we've Hayden Power, who's the son of Kiran Power, the famous Kiran Power, and Hannah Hayes. So they're two very strong medal contenders. So when you have riders like that that are so strong, you know, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats, as they say. And, you know, it's, there's a great buzz within the cycling fraternity at the moment. And, you know, families have had time in the lockdown to actually cycle together and to, you know, enjoy the sport. So I think things are looking really, really good for cycling in the southeast. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. So we'd like to be joined on the line um, by uh, Robin Dawson. Robin, I suppose, look, uh, the last time I talked to you, this time last year, the world was in a very different place. Um, you were in France at the time, if I remember correctly, just off the back of the Irish Open performance in Le Hinch. Um Tell us, like, how are you doing at the moment? I suppose it's a very, very different uh, circumstance for yourself than, than it was when we were talking last. Yeah, it's, um, it's been a pro- probably the most difficult nine months ever, I'd say, since I started playing golf, um, you know, I'm try- tough to occupy myself, but I'm trying my best, I'm playing plenty of 
with the lads, put money games, as opposed to help deal a different thing in tournaments and um, just any practice and then in the gym. So I'm just I'm, I'm doing a lot, lot to uh, keep active and keep the mind um, ticking over as well. But um, yeah, hopefully there won't be tournaments today, won't be too far away. How, how I suppose you're saying this is one of the most difficult times in your career, and I suppose, you know, it's difficult times in all, in all of our lives, but how much. How much did this kind of floor you? Like, did it did it really kind of floor you the whole thing? Because I know that, like, you know, the way it seemed like you were going, you were kind of going in one direction, and that was that was up and up, and there was tournaments and there was everything else, and then all of a sudden you're back in the position, almost like you feel you've gone back almost five or six years, where you're almost back to trying to get places where you can, but mainly it's kind of playing around locally and 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 just trying to enjoy golf. Is it? it can you enjoy it at the moment? Is there that feeling, or is it just a kind of a, a sense of impatience now with everything? Um, how how helpful has that I suppose that Irish Open experience been looking back at it now and you know all, all the other kind of the, the, the progressions that you've made even in the last 12 months because I suppose uh, you know self-confidence is so important in golf you're really out there by yourself I know you have a caddy as well and sports psychologist and etc etc but really you know you're the one that's carrying your own back you're the one that's putting food on your own table so um, how important is it to kind of have that self-confidence and that self-belief going forward especially in a time like this Speaking of the Irish Open, I suppose we were just talking a little bit about it uh, before going on air. I was saying to you, you know, did you did you hope that there might be be places there um, because of, I suppose, what happened last year in the Irish Open? And generally, you know, you would hope that the home European Tour events would always give kind of an opportunity for for young talent in in the country of the event. Um, but you're saying that ju- just because of the, the basically the fact that everybody's been out for so long, that everybody's clambering to play in every tournament, that the chance of an invite seems seems unlikely. 
tough one to call. Um, the Irish Open, it hasn't been announced yet officially, but I think it does look pretty good. Even though there won't be any spectators, I wouldn't think. But um, yeah, hopefully last year's performance will, will get me an invite. But you just don't know. There's a lot of people looking to play, and invites are very scarce at the moment. So, um, but fingers crossed. Absolutely. So, so what is the plan now between now and even September? Um, like obviously you're you're playing with Port Port Marnock, you're you're up there, so getting a lot of golf in up there. And is there any like what kind like has there been any communication from even the Challenge Tour or anything as to what you guys can expect in the short to medium term, or has it very much kind of been left to your own devices to figure it out? Um, yeah, we've pretty much been left to our own devices to figure it out. I think we've had three weeks now to get ready for um, the Northern Tour. Northern Ireland Challenge, so that's kind of what I've been working towards and playing five days a week to try and prepare as best I can for that. And even even there's um, Team Ireland um, are very good for all the up and coming young Irish golfers. Um, they are putting on 36 hole tournaments for us on a, on a weekly basis the last couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to playing them over the next few weeks to kind of get my game up to where I want it to be for. For that first week in September. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. So that's all from the latest episode of Sports Beat Extra. Remember, you can listen back on beat102103.com forward slash podcasts. But next, Trish gets your Saturday going with Beat Anthems.